Welcome to Women with an F-Tub Mind. I'm your host, Ms. J. Marie. And it's not about awareness anymore. It's about doing the damn thing and ruffling as many feathers as you can. And here, we're about sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence, and the lack of mental health help in our military. And we recognize it's a human issue and not just a specific gender. So just be ready for what we've got to say, because it's time to do the damn thing. So women with an f mind is not just a women's thing. It's we recognize that everything is, is just human, whether it's our platform talking about sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence, or mental health, anything and everything. And we're here to give people a voice and a platform to share their story, share what they do, and especially doing the damn thing. So today I have Ernie, who is an inspirational speaker to talk about you know, what he's been through and why he does what he does now. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. <laughs> so I do know, so a little bit about you. I do know, like I said, I know you're a motivational speaker. You know, you endured child abuse. You, you're a veteran of 12 years. And if you want to go a little more in depth with that, that's totally up to you. Yeah. Well, I did 21 years. Oh, 20. Oh, I knew that <laughs> dyslexia. Sorry. I knew there was a no, one no, and a no, two in there. Good. My bad. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. Um, You know, the thing is, you know, your topics um, all uh, relate to me because that's what type of childhood that I that I had. And one of the things that created who I am is trauma, is my uh, childhood of domestic abuse, uh, child abuse, sexual abuse, um, being homeless, you know, uh, being in in, you know, drugs and violence and street life all these things you know created who i am mixed with the military straightening me out and creating a different type of me which was a leader and someone that believed so much or believes actually i should say believes so much in a country because the opportunities are there and I think that we are, a lot of people are ungrateful of this country because they don't take advantage of the opportunities or they're afraid of the opportunities. They're afraid of failure, so they never take advantage of the opportunities. So they stay in their little comfort zone or their routines to where fear controls them to never step out of their routines or out of their comfort zones. But let me go back to my childhood. So I grew up in Southern California. So again, I, I said, I talked about child abuse and, and domestic abuse. I watched my mom used to be uh, beaten by my dad, who was uh, a very heavy drinker. And that was one of the things that I really, really try to push on about, you know, domestic abuse and how it affects children. And a lot of people you know, they stay in that cycle when they become adults. Um, so I talk about it so that I can break that cycle for others or help others, let them know that they're not alone or it's not, you know, don't be, uh, don't be embarrassed of it. Don't be afraid of it. It's okay to talk about it and heal from it. So that's why I love talking about what I do or what I've been through and also to inspire people that 
it's you still have a choice to make after all the things that you go through you still have a choice you know and that choice is either i can become a victim of it or i can create a victor from it and go on throughout life conquering things because of what you've been through we're a warrior once you go through things whatever it is you're a warrior so have that mindset of being a warrior and conquering the things that you face and again as a teenager when i went into the military because i joined because i had no direction in life and when i had that direction or when i joined the military and started getting that direction it was it was so crazy because i left a little you know from a little small town and going into basic training i remember being at the transitional barracks waiting for my class of basic training to start at Fort Hill, Oklahoma. And I remember standing there and, and thinking, man, is the army like this? This is easy. <laughs> you, you know, and on that third day when they're like, okay, well, you know, your, your cycle's about to begin. And I'm standing there like, what? I thought this was the basic training. And as soon as I said that, there was like three trucks, uh, three cattle trucks showed up. And it was probably, um, it was like a street away from us, but we could, it was like in a parade field. We were standing in the middle of the parade field and we could see this, the road right there where all these cattle trucks pulled up. And then we see these six uh, individuals step out and walking towards us with a purpose. And it was so crazy because I'm thinking to myself, what in the hell are these guys doing <laughs> walking that fast towards us? And they were huge guys. And once they got to us, I mean, they were in our faces screaming, yelling, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was scared as hell. And, you know, we started, that. Well, I, they started smoking us, basically, and, you know, I was sweating like there's no tomorrow. And it just continued for, you know, I, I don't even remember how many hours, but it just continued and continued and continued, you know. And I remember the going to bed thinking, what the hell am I going through? You know, what what did I do by joining I think everybody at some point, whether it's the beginning, the middle, and sometimes even then, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? What is it? Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget the day that, you know, everybody as a Marine, like we all go through, we're sitting on that bus and we're just waiting for that drill instructor to step on there. And that's the moment you're like, fuck, what did I do to myself? <laughs> like, it doesn't go away for those three months. So I think every veteran military service member can relate to that hell yeah you know it's, <laughs> it, it's, looking back at it it's like it's funny but at the time it's like shit oh yeah i wasn't laughing then but now that i look at it i'm like oh that's kind of funny now <laughs> yeah exactly you know i was over here you know and quietly like mom come save me you know kind <laughs> of shit <laughs> so so once I once I finished basic training and I went to my first duty station, one of the things that I, I really admire of what I went through is how my individual hard work started creating something better for me. And the reason I did that is because I looked around and realized that my hard work is means something. And when I started like reading books, I started reading my manuals. Uh, I, I was a weapons systems maintainer on a Bradley fighting vehicle for the infantry. So every unit that I went to, it was always an infantry unit. And 
so when I started reading these manuals, books, and everything like that, I started standing out. And eventually, I became an NCO. And when I did, I started leading soldiers. And having that pride of leading soldiers, it, it meant a lot to me coming from where I came from because I was this individual kid that didn't believe in myself. I thought I was going to be a complete failure. I wasn't going to do anything in life. You know, from the things that I've been through, I figured, you know what, my life is going to be a waste. I figured I was going to be in trouble all the time or in jail, prison, wherever I was going to be. But I never thought that I was going to be someone. And when I started becoming that leader, I felt that. And that's when I started creating other leaders, such as my soldiers. I started creating leaders rather than trying to be that person where I thought, you know, barking orders was the only thing that you can, you know, it's what a leader does. And that's totally the opposite. So I started creating other leaders, started creating a team that was very, you know, that was very unison in everything that we did. And we just did outstanding things. And I received so many awards and so many um, accomplishments doing or creating teams that were just awesome. So with that, you know, my military career was awesome. I, there was some hard times, especially when I deployed to Iraq in 2004. We got there when the insurgency kicked back up. And I, heard, I remember laying in, in my cot and laying there and thinking, man, I am in war. I'm in combat. And no shit. Right when I said that, we started getting attacked. RPGs, rockets, all these things were just flying, rounds going. And I remember getting up. And the thing was, there was like no time to be scared. It was all about reaction and getting everybody, but getting everyone, you know, into cover, you know, directing soldiers. That was my just training that just kicked in. So that was just outstanding. And one of the first missions that I got into when I was over there. So my, so my job over there in Iraq in 2004 was a recovery. Uh, I was in recovery maintenance. And what I did is I was in charge of a team that when vehicles got blown up or vehicles got, you know, broke down or whatever you want to call it we would go out there and pick them up and drag them back, you know, even though that, you know, people could still be inside it. So with that, it, it created a lot of um, questions to where like, man, you know, this is, this is scary. Combat is scary. So with that, the first mission that we went on, my soldiers, it was my uh, sergeant. Uh, at the time I was a staff sergeant. So I had a sergeant and an E4 that we're going to go on a mission and I could tell on their face, they were, they were scared and they were nervous and, and, and it's, that's okay. That's part of the process. So what I did is I stepped in and said, Hey, Sergeant, go ahead and stay back. And I'm going to go with this uh, E4 because I want to be the first one out there. Not only that, if anything happens to you guys, you know, I want it to first happen to me. So, and then I created a, a relief for all my other guys. Cause they were like, you know what, if he can do it, we can do it. And that's, that's, one of the things is being a leader, you know, you put yourself first. I, I'm not, I'm, you don't put yourself first, but what I'm saying is that you go through it first. Mm -hmm. You're not going to just stand in the back and say, Hey, go out there. And you know, if you come back, you come back. It's, you know what? I did it. You could do it kind of thing. Absolutely. So that's what I went with. And, you know, my guys did excellent out there in 2004 and, and, you know, everybody came home, but it, 
you know, when our battalion, we lost about seven guys. It was very, we were in, in, in Baghdad, North Baghdad, uh, Haifa Street area, which was very, um, very high in, in um, attacks and contact. So we did a lot of recovery missions and we did them safely and effectively. Uh, we had a lot of rounds popped off at us, which was uh, made things a lot faster when you had to recover things. <laughs> so that was some of the excitement that we had. I remember the first uh, six months was all about, you know, watching your six and just moving out there tactically, you know, tactically. And I remember that like the last six months was all about, yeah, fuck it. If they kill me, they kill me. You know, it, we were so relaxed out there. It's, it was crazy. It's a different type of mindset we believe. It's like, fuck it. If it happens, it happens. And so after I did my 21 years, got out. Now is the transition level or transition to the civilian life. After serving 21 years, on my last month, I went to the mental health. I did a walk-in. Why? Because I started noticing that I had a short fuse. I started noticing that I was very aggressive towards anything that kind of ticked me off. And as a Sergeant First Class or E7, I was like, man, this that's not me. That's not supposed to be me, you know? flipping off the handle. I was supposed to be a professional. So I walked into the uh, mental health clinic and I told them what was wrong with me. And no shit, in the first five minutes, they handed me medication and they said, come back in six months. No fucking way. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Am I not supposed to talk about what's wrong with me? Curiosity question. So a lot of the times... Like, I'm not this not trying to come out sexist. This is just the complete stigma that everybody has. Correct. As a male, how hard was it for you to be like, you know what? I address it. I have this going on for me. I need to get help. Like, how are you feeling? How is your thought process going? Like, and then you finally just said, you know what? This is what I need to do. You know, as a senior um, NCO at the time, I felt that I was weak. I felt helpless. I felt hopeless. I just felt all these emotions. And honestly, I was at the end of it, I was embarrassed and I didn't want to go, but I had to because something had to be done. But at the time, in in that moment or in that time, it was more about, you know, if somebody was going to sit call or, or they were, you know, limping, whatever, like, Hey, what's wrong with you? You're a pussy or something. You know, that's the way we were. Mm-hmm. But so going to that mental health clinic was very hard for me. It was, it was very, very hard. I was, like I said, I was embarrassed. I didn't tell nobody that I was going. That's why I did a walk-in. But when they just handed me the medication, I was like, what the, f- what am I going to do with this? Just taking, that's it. That's going to cure me. No, but you know, and I don't blame the military. I don't because they weren't ready for this shit. You know, I, I don't blame my leadership at all. Because nobody was ready for that. Nobody knew how to handle this stuff. You know, we were ready to go to combat. Hell yeah. But we weren't ready for the after, you know, after effect of combat. That's the unfortunate thing is that a lot of people don't realize, like, there is, there you have the potential of running to the risk of having the aftermath of mental health. And then they don't address it. And my theory is they just don't know how to address it for that sole reason. Like you said, you felt weak because that's just how it doesn't matter what branch you're in, especially like Army and Marine Corps. Like you just have that mindset of like, no, I'm this tough Marine. I'm this tough soldier. I can't feel or seem weak 
even though I'm doing something to help myself. And that's like the episode that I just did last week about, you know, mental health and just know it's time to change that fucking stigma because you're not weak. You're not going to wear that uniform for the rest of your life. One day you're going to take that uniform off and you're going to start peeling back all these layers. Like, who am I? And then it's almost to that point where it's like, I should have got that help, but I was too afraid to be weak. And it doesn't make you weak to process who you are and to get the help that you need. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And you're absolutely right. Um, going through that was was a very hard, very hard time for me. Um, eventually, I retired. And not too long after that, after I went into the mental clinic or mental health clinic, I retired after that. So I put in my paperwork, got out. Now, this was even harder. When I retired, I figured, okay, I was on first class, E7. You know, I was in charge of 73 guys in a platoon. I was responsible for millions and millions of dollars of equipment. I was just outstanding, all these awards and everything. And when I retired, when I was on my way home, in that moment, I was thinking, fuck, they're going to be knocking down my door. They're going to be knocking down my door or hiding it, you know, in my bedroom, like waiting, like, hey, man, we want you to come work for us or, you know, and I, I figured that was going to happen. But guess what? None of that happened. I was like, what the hell? And I started questioning all my accomplishments. I started questioning who I was. And worst of all, I was questioning my worth. And I started getting more depressed. And my PTSD was just raging at the time. I was... I, I, you know, I was afraid of being crowds. I was, I wasn't afraid. It's just that I really got a lot of anxiety. I was, you know, isolating myself. I was drinking a lot. You know, all these things that, you know, these red flags were popping up, but I wasn't doing nothing about it again, because I was afraid to show weakness. So I started getting more depressed. And I started drinking. I started getting darker and darker days. Eventually, I got to a moment where I was like, you know what? I want to end it all. And it's so um, – it, it feels so good to talk about this part where I felt, you know, an external force stepping into my life and saying, you got to do something. And I got a phone call that day. And they asked me, hey, can you come speak at our school about your military career? And at first I was like, no, I'm in in no shape to do that. So I did. And I went, when I stood in front of that classroom and talking to those students, I saw me when I was a kid. I saw that, that little kid that was afraid, that little kid that needed someone to say, hey, you could do whatever you want in this world. You could be whatever you want to be. You just got to put in the hard work because hard work neutralizes a hard life. And that's just the way it is. So I started telling them about my life. And then I told them about my career. And But at the same time, I'm giving myself therapy by talking about me and talking about my life. So in that moment, I felt peace. I felt belonging. And most of all, I felt worth. And after that, that's where I knew, like, this is what I want to do. I want to talk. I want to speak. I want to inspire other people about what I've been through because whatever you've been through, you still have a choice. And that choice is to, like I said before, either you could be a victim or a victor. There's still choices out there. And I know, you know, we go through our dark times, but 
but guess what? Even though there's no light in your life, you could become that light for your life and push through whatever's going through, whatever you're going through in life. And just, you know what, find that mission and how you find that mission is what keeps you molded every single day, motivated every single day and keeps you inspired. And you know what, if you don't, if you can't find that, look in the mirror, that's what your inspiration should be. Yeah, you're going to get me fired up right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that's why I do what I do. It inspires me and it heals me and it just gives me so much, you know, peace to be able to do or help others. And that's why I do my videos every, you know, I'll do them every other day. I'll give, I'll talk about, you know, going after what you want in life. Just give you that inspiration. I talk about, I'm going to start talking about leadership. Now I also sell inspirational t-shirts and I have a logo with a Spartan on it and it has a sword and a helmet. And then on the background, it's a shield. And what that shield is, it represents the Aztec calendar. And what that calendar represents is 365 days of being a warrior by going out there, going after it, by giving everything that you got in life. Because the thing is, we can't question life. You got to question what you're not putting into life. You, you understand? Because every day is all about going into battle and fighting whatever you're going against in life. And sometimes, Absolutely. yeah, you know, and sometimes if we just take a step back, you'll notice most of the time, it's our own thinking that's holding us back. We're, we are the problem, and we can also be the solution. Mm -hmm. Makes, you know, it makes so much sense. And that's why, you know, I've, I've spoken to great, at great places. I spoke at um, Grunt Style headquarters in San Antonio, Texas. I got to, to speak to about 300 veterans and, fa well, family members as well. I spoke and um, it was some retreats in LA about suicide, spoke about that. I spoke in San Diego about trauma, child abuse, uh, domestic abuse. I, I speak about that locally as well in schools that again, anything that they go through, whatever they go through, you can still become somebody that does great things in life. Because I think that a lot of, individuals think that they've been through something bad that that's it that's that's what their life's going to be no it's not that's not the end that's not terminal it's just the beginning but it's depending on what you want to do with it it's your book you got to write your own story absolutely and there's no and that's one thing like for our listeners especially like it takes it sometimes it takes time for people and it doesn't there's no timeline to it but it's like you said it's a matter of what you do to take the, you know, like this, you recognize this happened to me. Now, what do I do? You know, you take your time, you heal in your own way, your own time. But like some people turn to like art therapy, which is painting, making jewelry, you know, writing a book or things like that, or just, you know, speaking like for me personally, this podcast has been my coping mechanism to deal with what I deal with. Because it gives me the voice to be able to speak, to be able to vent, and then knowing the satisfaction that I am helping others to be able to do the same exact thing and to give people a platform to talk about, you know, whatever, whatever it is. You can tell me as little as they want or as much as they want, but it's part of that healing process. Like you said, I think that is so important. And I think that's awesome that you found, like, 
this is your niche. Your niche is being a motivational speaker and talking about, you know, what you went through, but that you're not letting it define who you are. Yeah. You know, and I tell people it's, it's always going to be a part of me, but it's not going to define me. And I always tell them that. And one of the uh, great things that doing what I do is meeting other great people. Honestly, everyone that I run into are, are great people. But one one day I ran into Jocko Willink. Willink. Oh, nice. <laughs> and we had a conversation and we were going back and forth like, hey, well, you know, what do you do? Well, of course, I already knew what he did. So he was like, hey, what do you do? And I told him, oh, I'm an inspirational speaker. I love speaking. You know, I talk about, you know, healing through trauma. And after a while, me standing there, of course, I'm like way shorter than him. He looks like a freaking football player compared to me. You know, <laughs> He's a huge guy, you know, but just talking to him, not once did he ever try to portray this person that is any better than anyone else. When we got done with that conversation, I walked away saying, you know what? I can do what he does. And I mean, he's more leadership style. Uh, he talks more about leadership and, and about teamwork. But the thing is, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no like stopping. You don't have to say, man, I wish I could be like him. You don't have to say that. It's like, there is no difference. Keep going. You know, he's been doing it for a, for a while now. And it hasn't been that long for me, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to. You know, I have that vision, you know, hanging out with him for that time. It, it was, it was an honor for one and just hanging out with his team, you know, hanging out with Echo Charles and them. It, it was awesome. And it was a great, great honor. And another guy that I got to hang out with a couple of weeks ago, I went to go speak at his birthday was uh, Vincent uh, Rocco Vargas. Uh, you know him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I got to hang out with him in, in Utah and uh, another guy, awesome dude. You know, so just curiosity though, like, yes. do you reach out to these people or do they like you just haven't be the right place at the right time? You know, or... <laughs> honestly, it was at the right place at the right time. That's awesome. You know? And so, Rocco actually, Rocco reached out to me, you know, and I got to give this guy props. So, he reached out to me one day. He was like, Hey, you know, you got something. And I was like, Yeah, I, thanks, brother. You know, I'm like, Thank you for reaching out and telling me that he was like no man i'm serious he goes you need to do something i'm like okay what do i need to do he goes you need to create something you got something you gotta you gotta do something with it so we were talking for what we've been talking and so that's why i started creating my church he started connecting me with other people and it's just been ongoing since and he, he's he's been a real big part of my life as well he's helped me out a lot he's introduced me to a lot of guys He's doing a lot of great things. Um, being able to hang out with him, that dude is funny. I got to give him that. And <laughs> we, we connected on a lot of things. And like I said, he's an overall awesome dude. And one thing that I did notice that anyone that we ran into, he gave them his time. Not once did he ever say like, oh, you know, you know what? I'm busy. Not, it was like, bam, you know, they talked and, you know, I, I just stood there and I was like, wow, this guy's awesome, man. He's just you know, awesome. And, you know, every now and then he'll hit me up. And honestly, 
he was like, dude, you should do a podcast too. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I want to get there. And he gave me equipment. He was like, you know what? I got extra shit. Here you go. And I, I thought that was awesome. That is, that's was awesome. Yeah. I just need to get into that. Um, you know, I work full time too. So it's, it's, it is definitely, yeah. Working full time, being a parent and doing this is definitely a lot <laughs> for someone to do. So yes, yes I understand that. Yeah, so all these great people that I've been in contact with is, is just awesome. And I've I've actually I went to go see Eric Thomas speak. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Mm-mm. He's a motivational speaker. He's really big. Uh, and I got to meet him, and it was funny. Right when I met him, I was like, "Hey, uh, you don't want to be one of the best coming out, right?" And he was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah." just remember my name you know that was kind of cockiness i don't know if you want to call it but it's i call it confidence it's just give me time brother i'm gonna be there too and i I will it's just that's how much i believe in what i do and i just want others to believe in themselves just like i believe in myself so what do you i was about to say what is like what's your do you have an end game do you have a short short short-term goal long-term goal like what is it that you want to see you know, it may be never ending because like I get asked that all the time. Like, well, what's the goal here? I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be a never ending cycle. So I'm asking you, like, what do you want to see, you know, on your journey come out of this? Honestly, the end goal for me would be to inspire, to help heal as many people that I can in this lifetime. I don't want to just leave a obituary i want to leave something legendary oh my god i gotta write that one down (laughs) (laughs) but you know and that's all i want it's it's like a constant thing for me i feel that there's always people that need me or need what i can give and and help them i mean it might not give them 100 percent healing but it'll give them a start give them a spark in their life and that's Mm -hmm. to me payment absolutely because like when I get those little reassurance, like all it takes is like one little message and be like, I just want to let you know, like you helped me, you know, get on the path of getting better. Like it, yeah. people don't understand how far just that little bit of reassurance, like, and I'm not, I'm sure you're not either looking for no pat on the back, like good job or yeah. nothing like that. But that's like the same thing. And that's why I was like, yes, I'm so down to have you on here because we both have the same mission. And I think it is so awesome what you're doing. So another question that I would have is what piece of advice? So as somebody that felt the way they did when they started to get help or, you know, tried to get help for their mental health, what is a piece of advice that you would give somebody that feels the same way, especially from a male's perspective? Like, you know, as a woman, I can say all this frou-frou stuff like, yeah, man, like, no, it doesn't make you weak, blah, blah, blah. But coming from a man is kind of a different perspective. If it, a man is listening. So even if it is to all genders, but what piece of advice would you give somebody if they were feeling the same way that you felt? It's okay. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be in pain, but it's not okay to stay there. And like I said, if there's no light in your darkness, become the light. And trust me, pushing forward, going through that storm, there's a better you. Remember, you have a bunch of clouds over you right now, but over those clouds is sunshine waiting for you. But you just got to create that action. You got to create that movement to get into that sunlight. Just keep moving. That's my advice. 
Absolutely. One of my favorite things, you know, to personally say is uh, <laughs> keep on keeping on. And <laughs> if you don't know where that saying's from, the reason why I talk, I say that is because little tidbit, you know, fun fact for my listeners to listen to. 2017, I went through something very, very traumatic. Um, it wasn't anything about my platform, but I went through a very traumatic time. And the first time in six months that I was able to just laugh was because I was watching fucking Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love Joe Dirt. Yeah, it's like you can't not not laugh at that movie, but that was the first time I had laughed in six months. And, you know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm a hillbilly. I will live by a Joe Dirt <laughs> quote and wear it with fucking pride. I don't Hell care. Yeah. <laughs> keep on keeping on. Exactly. Yeah, Joe Dirt. Joe Dirte, you mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's like going with what you just said, you know, another thing to add to it, like I said earlier, is that you're not going to wear that uniform forever. It is a right. piece of you. It is a part of your life. But underneath those and underneath that, the meaning of that uniform you are still you at the end of the day. Like I am Jay Marie, you're Ernie or whoever you are that's listening. You are who you are. And it's up to you to take back those layers and be like, this is who the fuck I am and establishing that. Yes, absolutely right. Um, one of the things like, just like you were saying, you know, keep on keeping on. And that's one of my, um, the slogan that I love using is keep up the fight. And where I got that from was, we used to, well, I was in a unit, 19 Infantry in Korea, and it was keep up the fire. And I've always loved that saying. So I came up with my own keep up the fight. And what I mean by that is every day in life, we got to keep up the fight because that's what it's all about. Because whatever you're going through, you got to battle through it. And that's why okay. I say we're warriors, we're survivors. So always look at yourself as that. So and always, every day, keep up the fight. And I just love that saying. It just fires me up. <laughs> I love it. If there's one last thing that you would want our listeners to know, to hear, or anything of that sort, what would it be? The thing that I would love to say is this. On the other side of adversity, on the other side of that obstacle, that other side of whatever's slowing you down, stopping you, or whatever you, whatever you fear, there's a better you. In order to go through what you're going through, to get better, you got to go through it. So know that on the other side of that adversity is a better you. So go after it. Be better. Go after better and become your best. Absolutely. And if somebody, so I'm going to plug this in for you. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, to book you, you know, to have you come speak to them or whatever, even if it's something small or something big, what is the way for them to potentially do that? You can reach out to me at my site, which is www.keepupthefightapparel.com. That's where you can email me, book me, whatever you want to do. Even though if you're going through some hard times, contact me. Like I said, I'm always available. If not, if I'm doing something at the time, of course, I'm going to get back to you. But trust me, there's always a way. I'm all I'm on all platforms. Ernie Muddy Scott. Come check me out. E Mariscal 90. Come check me out. I'm I'm always doing something, you know, doing a video. And it, you know what? If it helps you, it helps you. If it doesn't, you can share it to somebody else that you think it will. 
Absolutely. And I will definitely be tagging Ernie's page as well and the website within the post and on the platform of all the podcasts. Um, but yes, Ernie, thank you, you know, doing what you do, because it takes a lot for somebody to, like I said, stand up and just say, you know, this is what I went through, that I went through some hard shit. And you know what, I'm going to do the damn thing and try to help others that potentially going through the same thing, if not worse, if not minor, but I'm still here to help and reach out that helping hand, even if it's like one video, because you never know that video alone could go a long way because you don't know who's watching it, where they're watching it, what they're going through and hell, it can, it can change things for them. Or just like you said, give that little pep in their step or that little spark for them to say, all right, it's time for me to stand up and do what I need to do to be better. That's right. Like, you know, every day I love saying, you know, to others when I, you know, run into them, I always say, hey, it's okay to share your smile. I just love doing this and I, I just love helping. If I can, any way that I can, I can help somebody. And you know what? And if I have contacts, you know, I'm going to push them your way too. Put, if somebody, Absolutely. they have value, put them on there. We should Absolutely. all be doing this. That's what, that's what I've been preaching since the beginning. Like, we all eat at the table. It's not a competition to heal and help people. Like, I've never understood why people think that's a fucking competition to, you know, make a business out of this. Or, like, we all work, we all have our own attributes and can contribute yep. to this and can, you know, make this world a better place. <laughs> you, you know what? You saying that, right? When I was over there in Utah with uh, Vinny. It's exactly, this is exactly what he told me. He goes, you know, Ernie, there's a lot of guys that, or a lot of people, veterans, he goes, that don't like to help each other. He goes, but here's my question. He goes, if you have to worry about me, there's a problem because that means that you don't believe in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. when, when he said that, I was like, shit, you're, you're fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> that means you don't believe in what you're doing if you have to worry about somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100% agree with that. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Ernie. And thank you for having me. Oh, of course. And I look forward to see what you do and continue doing the damn thing. Oh, and I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And on that note, I'm Jay Marie, and I got Joe back. Women with an F-Tup Mind is not DOD-affiliated or any branch of service. We are not endorsed by any of them, even the ones that we serve in. We're just about stating our opinions, talking about the experiences, and just, how stating public records. So I just wanted to make that clear because all we're about is making people uncomfortable, ruffling as many feathers as we can, and, you know, doing the damn thing. <laughs>